0: Talking, he's talking so damn loud. He's a talk, he's talking with some friends. He's a talk, he's talking so damn loud. He's a talk, he's talking with some friends. What's up, my noodles, and welcome to the fifth episode of Loud Talks. That's an aggressive loud talking right there with Josh Doey, who is a parkour acquaintance of mine, possibly new friend, ooh, enticing. I've watched Josh through the window of social media for quite some time now, a creative individual within his movements of parkour and all things he does, including his pursuits of comedy and acting. Josh Doey is a practitioner based out of Vancouver, that's in Canada for those of you that are bad at geography, And, um, we've actually met a couple times in passing, but this is our first time really sitting down and chatting and talking about life and whatnot. I found out through Brandon Douglas, who was my, uh, third episode? Yes, third episode of the podcast. Ooh, with Loud Talks. Ooh, yeah, Loud Talks podcast. Uh, shout out to Brandon Douglas of Height Drop, the parkour podcast. He was like, you should get up with Josh Doey, which, hilariously enough, Get Up is the name of Josh Doe's podcast. Oh, plug, nice little plug right there. Go check it out on YouTube, which I'll be dropping his stuff in the description of this podcast so you can check him out through that that too, you know what I mean? But yeah, we had a great time, talked about a lot of stuff. I had to pee part way through the podcast because it was a long one. So um, yeah, without further ado, my conversation with Josh Doe.
1: Okie doke. Okay, so how do you how do you start these things? What what how do we how are we doing this?
0: So usually I just uh usually I just go, hey man, how you been? It's been a long time since we uh seen each other. But in this case I'd be like, hey dude, we've never met. It's been zero time since we last seen each other because but have we there's met? never been Have we though? Because I, don't know. I
1: went I went I did I, I went to the Okay, I did Oh what what fucking jam was it? It was uh, Nat Jam. I, I was in Colorado for Nat oh, Jam twenty fifteen.
0: I would have been there. Okay, okay. I've been hanging out. I've been doing some flips, maybe some tricks, um, some spins possibly. Um, but yeah, dude, no, I definitely would have been there. Um, maybe you, maybe I did meet you briefly. Yeah, because I, I
1: competed. I got I got first place in the the comp.
0: Oh shit! You did? That's yeah. what's up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, my memory is like not that good. I don't know. I never, I never cared as much about the competition aspects of of parkour. Like they're dope. But yeah. for me, like my personally, I never prioritized them for mm. myself. So, you know, even when it was going on in other people's lives, I cared a little bit less. I was yeah. more interested. Well, they, they it had seemed... to drag me in to do it. Like I, I was, I was <laughs> not down. <laughs> that's so funny. You won and then, but your friends are like, you, you got to do this and you didn't want to do it. And then you ended up winning. Those are the only like, competitions I've ever
1: won. Like the ones where it was like, like this competition is everything to me, like um, you know, on-site qualifiers for NAPC or, or you know, if I, w- if I was competing in the main event, um, it was always like, like this is my everything. And, and then I would do very poorly. And then the competitions where I did have to get dragged in to do it, I got first place both times. Um, That's once so funny. It happened for Nat Jam and then also for the um, off-the-edge wall trick competition.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that one. That was just wall like what best wall trick or whatever. Was that what that was? Yeah, and the funny
1: thing was that I I had the winning combination, but it it was one wall trick and several floor tricks, so it wasn't even really a wall trick.
0: That's right. They were like, oh, yeah, you just got to touch this wall here, and then whatever you do after it, as long as you link it fluidly...
1: Yeah, you're good. It was like a that, that was kind of an old style of competition where, or it, it kind of harkened back to an older style, like um, back in 2014, the WFPF was was trying to push their competition format, or they were, they were kind of developing it at the time. Um, and I was part of a trial run that they did in Boston, or sorry, in in Connecticut. Um, and their format it was a mix of speed, skill, style, but you had to compete in every single event, um, mm-hmm. and and the style portion almost made sense but uh they they wanted to they wanted to promote obstacle interaction uh, more than it was being promoted at the time um but their their execution of it was so poor because they just placed stickers around the course and at some point in your run you had to touch the sticker
0: it's like fuck (laughs) i remember that dude because i remember seeing people just do a flip towards a sticker and just touch it real quick Yeah. It's, it's cool because they want you to utilize the whole course. But the thing is, people like, so you look at in like that style aspect, you see how well rounded somebody is maybe on particular obstacles, but it does, it kind of does, it takes away from that person's individual style Mm -hmm. and what they bring to the table. And, you know, Maybe you're just really super dope on rails and everything you do on rails is like golden And so now you're forcing this person to do a bunch of stuff on like ledges and ground and they don't have tumbling passes so they just like, okay, I guess we we'll do a cartwheel like full or like like barely, you know, yeah. or whatever else
1: That was kind of my downfall in competition was the when when the requirements for well-roundedness started to come in because I am, I'm so underdeveloped for anything involving bar work, like any any kind of swinging. I am, I, I lack so much um, physical intelligence for it. I, I lack any kind of practice for it. I had a couple swing moves ready to go. Like, um, for example, this kind of came to it came around to bite me in the ass for the um, the NAPC twenty fifteen uh, because. Mm there was a kind of a mandatory flow. You had to um, do the course and you had to, you know, do a trick or do something in each zone. And one of the mandatory zones was the bars. And I totally just like, I, I, I non tricks in the bar, in the bar area. Just like, like moves that aren't moves, you know, just fucking, yeah. I, I had an okay run, but what really killed it was like, I just, I
0: didn't know what the fuck I was doing in the bar area. <laughs> yeah, man, there it's, That's what's so interesting about parkour is is it's a balance between what you expect is the meta for being good at parkour. So like this external motivation to learn things, but then also your internal desire to learn whatever it is that you think is cool and keep developing that skill. Mm -hmm. Because that's how I felt like I always was too, is I was like, oh, I enjoy doing this and I'm kind of good at it. Let me explore that more. And then like, what are all the different angles I can approach this style or kind of move from or variation and then you know but then there's this outside pressure too like i moved to colorado and much like you i'm i'm more of like kind of a flowy type person i'm not big into the jumps doing massive jumps and things and i got to colorado i was like damn everyone is so good at jumping here i should probably get good at jumping dude (laughs) so i just started doing that more and i and it's it's just funny how that external motivation drives your training as much as that internal part too
1: yeah actually i was i was just thinking about that um maybe my last training session or the session before um just because like the the people that you're training around and like of course of course you're also um, shaped by the environment that you're training in but the people yes. you're training with n- not even necessarily the style that they're training but also the energy that they bring that changes an athlete Like. Um, I'll have a totally different session if, you know, I'm training with local friends um, compared to, you know, if I'm training with store, like I'll, if, if I'm doing a, a session with store out in England, of course, I want to be hitting tricks that, you know, maybe I only hit like once a year, like I have a, like a wall gainer trick where I plant my hand on the wall and push off and do a gainer. And like, I, I, I only do those when I have like peak energy, like peak flow, uh, peak motivation. And um, th- those are tricks like I wouldn't even dream of attempting um, if I was just in a normal session, it's, it's crazy yeah, how
0: much the, 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 energy people bring to a session can change you. Yeah. Those, all those variables that contribute to your style of training in, in the moment or in within months or years or, or seasons of your life. Right. Cause like that's a huge thing too, is your environment for sure dictates what you're, what you're going to do how you're going to train and things like that, but then also the pe- people you're training with, like they're going to motivate you to do something or they're going to cut you down and be like, yeah, you shouldn't do that or nah, that's not possible, nah, yeah, nah, you know, you got like the naysayer, the negative people that are like, nah, or like mm, you should, you should uh, not do that, that landing was shit, uh, you're gonna fucking fuck your shit up or whatever. <laughs> people are less like that, but they're usually more motivating for sure. But you you get a little bit of a mix of personality, you know, and and so. And then also experience too, the people that are more experienced. Because like one of the things I really enjoyed about training with other people is problem solving together mm-hmm. through something, even if it was something they were doing or you were doing and you're both like, how would that work? Mm-hmm. And you just start like imagining different ways to complete whatever task it is that you're setting forth to accomplish, right?
1: Yeah. Well, that's that's something that I've been exploring more in, in recent training sessions is like um, just getting an opinion or, or some form, some form of help from another athlete that I'm training with, because, you know, for the last maybe 10 years of my training, it's just been, you know, how do I see this spot? Um, and maybe I will see some, you know, unique combination or something, but sometimes I just have trouble making a line. And usually that would just result in me not forming the line period. You know, like I would know some, Mm -hmm. something unique and fun that I could do, but I wouldn't be able to form a line around it. Uh, and now I've found that I'm able to overcome that obstacle by just, like, asking one of my friends, like, hey, can you help me build something here? Like, I've got this. Um, what else do you see happening here? And and that's made my training sessions a lot more
0: um, successful in terms of line creation. <laughs> yeah, you utilize someone else's creativity. You borrow it for a moment, right? Yeah. And then you get to, like, build up your repertoire. That's the cool thing, too, about parkour is, like, you're building this repertoire. I like to call it a toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just developing skill sets with these different tools and being able to reproduce them out in the, out in the world or in a gym or whatever. And, uh, it's really neat to just see different people's perspectives on, on space and how you can move through it and the things you can do with, with, uh, their skill set as, as much as yours, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, cause we all, we all come from, uh, like we, we, we all have a different, um, impetus for for making a parkour line like every everyone's got a different origin um although the result that we see is somewhat cohesive right but like our our motivation to create a line kind of varies from person to person like i i i don't know if it was um, joseph marx or if it was ed scott or someone um but they they talked about how they go about forming a line and it was totally different to my own way of thinking. like I, I kind of um, I, I kind of align with more, more so with Jason Paul's style of thinking because he was he was more of a he was a mentor to me um, especially around um, late 2015, early 2016 we had kind of a mentorship set up. Um, and one thing he told me that really resonated with me and I kind of took it and ran with it was um, the way that he forms a line is he looks at a spot, a unique spot and he thinks, um, what can I do here that I cannot do anywhere else? Now, it's not thinking that you take 1000% literally, like, you know, I like it has to be 1000% unique. But you know, what, what about this spot inspires me to move uniquely? Like, what what is something I can do here using these obstacles that cannot be done anywhere else?
0: Yeah, that's um, a huge component of Of training creatively, right, is looking at your environment and letting the environment more so dictate your movement than, say, forcing a square peg in a round hole or whatever, and trying to like be like, I'm good at jumping, so what, like, I need to do jumps here, I need to jump, you know, or I need to do only flip precisions, you know, so i really like that way of thinking too because it's an outside of the box way of thinking and it's it's a way of creating something that's more unique than a lot of the standardized parkour movements that you see out there like well people people think that cart dub full is dope that means i'm at this level of performance so i need to do that somewhere here where can i find the, you know rather than being like oh like like I when I was training a lot I would be I would just look at spots and be like what's calling to me? Oh, that's a weird pipe right there? Yeah. What the fuck? Why is that pipe even there? Mm-hmm. Oh, what can I do off that? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you caress it, you touch it, you get the energy from the pipe. You feel it calls to you. It tells <laughs> this you has it tells you. Oh yeah, mm, the pipe. Get the um, pipe from
1: the energy. Get the goo from the pipe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> massage the it squeeze the essence hey. of the
1: pipe with both hands
0: can you guys film this for me it's not even a line you're just caressing the I no, you know it's 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 artistic you, you oh, wouldn't there's understand two there's two pipes awesome <laughs> there's pipes everywhere cool so oh, man we got to come back to this spot I'm i'm a little tired right now but i just got done working on all these pipes um <laughs> yeah dude that that's uh that's how i've always felt about it that's really cool that uh jason paul's that same way and i just real quick for those that don't know who jason paul is because there's some people that listen to this podcast that don't do parkour he is a red bull sponsored athlete that he still lives in thailand is that right No, or is he, he in he's in germany, germany right now. now okay so yeah. he lives in germany um and uh he's has a, a whole parkour team that's pretty popular um and, and he's super good at fluid movement and creativity. So that's kind of like his whole thing. And so um, he's pretty well-known in the parkour community, but also really well-liked because he's a super nice dude and he's really good at what he does. So just a little kind of, a kind of background on that individual. Go check him out. It's just Jason Paul, just like it sounds. Two first names. Go look him up online on the YouTubes or whatever, you know. And uh, you can check out... His sick moves, but um, that's cool that you had a a little bit of a a mentorship with him. I know you you sent me some things on Instagram that I watched, and I know you said that you felt during this time that you had this mentorship with him. You did you go out to Thailand? No, so um, I he one one day he invited me
1: to go on tour with them, um, beginning in Amsterdam. Um And then Ooh. we flew out to like spain and and we we did have plans to go to France, but th- things things kind of changed just you know we were kind of just improvising as, as we went but yeah we we met up in um twenty sixteen and i so even going even further back um and i I had always looked up to Jason Paul like he was just one of my favorite athletes i i, I was and am like the biggest team forrang fanboy, like his team. I was just like, oh my god, like Jason Paul is my god, oh my god like <laughs> and I just like my my goal in life was just to hang out with team fereng I wanted it so fucking bad. like that was just that was my grail. And then um, one day he he had said in an interview that he was interested in pursuing music one day. like he was he was just kind of vaguely interested in it. Um, mm. And I I kind of and I was I was making hip-hop beats at the time. Um, and so Ooh. I kind of, I found the inn and, and so I started talking to him about that. And, um, eventually he started watching my videos and he was like, damn, like I, I fuck with your style. That's dope. And then it, it just kind of
0: snowballed from there. Dude, that's sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's dude. That's how opportunities happen, man. It's, uh, it's op- when opportunity meets preparedness or whatever is the quote, which is corny, but true, man. If you just like work on your shit and you get good enough and then an opportunity arises, People be like, oh, this person right here. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I watched one of the videos about, it was just like, I don't know what video it was on you, but it was essentially you discussing your journey through parkour and you described this moment in your life where you were touring with Farang and you felt as if you were really trying to force um, yourself to emulate them more than to be an original Individual within parkour and being true to your yourself and your movement. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how do you feel that changed the way you started training once you realized that they kind of saw through that that part of you that you were almost trying too hard and uh, uh, straying away from being yourself?
1: It was a really jarring experience at first because yeah. I, I I I was. In in my head, what I wanted to be was what they were, um, instead mm-hmm. of who I was. And after experiencing how the 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 person that I was trying to be did not fit with who they were, I, after experiencing that, you know, any any human being would be like something's not working here, and and you would want to get to the bottom of that as soon as possible. Um yeah. it it took a lot of thinking and there was a, there was there was a time where I felt really like and and I, I don't feel this way anymore. I'm I'm more so grateful for the experience and I have done a lot of thinking about this but I I spent a lot of time feeling sorry for myself after. Like there there was there was a it's lot of just natural. like Oh Yeah, like I I every, <laughs> like every date I went on, I would talk to, I would talk to them about this experience and just be like you oh, like you know so things hard.
0: were going really good in my life but then Jason Paul, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, he I was—I well,
1: was even blaming Jason Paul. Honestly, it was just like, um, kind of was, but you know, it's like, um, <laughs> but it, it was just me feeling sorry for myself, and and also not understanding how awesome and special that experience was for me. Like, like mm. it, in some ways, I um, I ruined it for myself in terms of how I reflected on the situation. Because my expectation had changed. My my initial goal, my 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 initial goal was just to hang out with Team Farang, right? And then as soon as some new information came, right as I was on the cusp of, of achieving that goal, as soon as some new information came that there is even the slightest possibility that I could join the team and you know I, I got privileges to ask for anything I wanted from the Team Farang store and they would send it to me for free and things like that. Um, oh shit So everything Like I, I just I felt like the universe Was just Pushing me in this direction And and then You know I, I, as, as soon as I I was about to achieve that goal My expectation changed And I could not celebrate That success anymore Because this new thing That I wanted I, I did not achieve And it was just It was It was a weird moment Where You know you've, You've reached that thing You've always worked for But But now your expectations Have unreasonably Moved
0: and you can't celebrate mm. that anymore. Absolutely, that's human nature. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this before with a couple people on the on the podcast, and um, expectations are huge killers, man. They 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 do something to us where they they motivate us, right? But they also motivate us towards a direction that's not realistic a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And even if it is realistic, and we achieve it, we once we meet our expectations, we immediately set goals towards something else. That's yeah farther out of reach because that's how we operate as human beings. We're like, oh, I got this thing I wanted. Well, now I want this next thing. I want the next bigger thing. It's the mm-hmm. Christmas toy that comes in the box that the kid's been wanting for, you know, three months. And then they get it on Christmas and they play with it for a week and then they don't appreciate it anymore, right? Yeah. It's so easy for us to move on to like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And um, dude, yeah, that's like, that's crazy, man. It's, it's a tough thing to experience that you know expectations aren't reality. Yeah. And and there's there's that joke meme where it's like expectations versus reality, but it it's like <clears throat> you know this is really what it is. It it is really like we create realities inside of our head based upon our experiences, right? Mm-hmm. To develop expectations of what the outcome may be. This is a natural state of of existing as a human being, you know. Um but yeah, dude, that's that's cra- I don't know where I'm going with this, but that's cra- great <laughs> It's crazy that that you had to go through that. It's not an easy fucking thing, man. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: So I I, I think that after that experience, um, I kind of there, there there was a few things that happened in my life to make me kind of pivot in terms of my parkour style. Um, n- none of it was within my control in terms of what had happened to me, but of course, what was within my control was how I reacted to it. So, um, yeah, there, there's a few things that happened within the span of that. Like I came, I came home, uh, from the Farang tour in late 2016. Um, and then immediately after that, uh, like I, I had the fire within me, you know, training and stuff. I was like, I-, I live the Farang lifestyle. Like I did this. It was awesome. Like, you know, there, there was the mixture of, um, expectations not met, but also I fucking achieved this dream and I am on top of the world. Um, Hell yeah. so there, there was that mixture. And then I went to, um, balls jam in Missoula. <laughs> which is just the, the funniest Love jam it. so little balls little history jam. on can balls you explain jam. that yeah yeah so um there <clears throat> balls jam is an offshoot of fool's jam in missoula so um the unparalleled movement uh missoula community uh, they had this this amazing amazing jam called fool's jam and it hap- it would happen as kind of like the april fools event um and it it grew to like incredible incredible proportions in 2015 for like I don't even know what reason. Like the year before was like kind of big, but 2015 was huge. And it there there was this this group of athletes that came together. Like like I I can't even I I can't even begin to to fathom just the 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 level that was there in 2015. There was like Daryl Stingley, you know Christine Christine was there. I call her Steen. I don't even know how to say her last name. Dietrich Dietrich um, uh, Yeah. So Steen was there. Uh, fucking Kent Johns, me and my friends, like the, the, and there was a bunch of guys from England, and fucking just, and the, all these names I'm fucking forgetting right now, but the, it was just an incredible conglomeration of people. Brian Prince was there, like what the fuck? So, oh, BP. Little BP, shut up BP, my boy. <laughs> but, um, so, we had so much fun at Fools Jam 2015 that we decided we did not want to wait another year for this to happen again. So so we had all decided to do like a half like a halfway between thing, um, and we were thinking about calling it Falls Jam to kind of play off Fools Jam. But then um, <laughs> we're we're gonna get a little we're gonna get a little in the weeds with the details here. But um, in Missoula at that time, I don't know if they still do it, but people really liked to party naked in missoula
0: i heard i've seen pictures and heard stories of the nakedness that occurs at these at these jams dude dude this is so this is like a like a weird part of parkour culture that
1: like makes me feel like wonderful and warm inside but i have such difficulty explaining it to people in a way that doesn't seem creepy but like we were just like so chill and so comfortable and like fuck it. Like, you know, we're all just homies. Like everyone would do it guys, girls. Like we would all just like, we, we just got naked and drank and then we would play beer pong, but eventually we got tired of beer pong and we were all just kind of sitting around in this apartment and we just had these ping pong balls. And so we would just without any form of malicious intent, just throw the ping pong balls at each other's dicks. And we called it danger ball. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man.
0: Danger ball. I love Danger it, dude. Danger ball. Yeah. Oh, my God. Dude. And you couldn't
1: block. That, that was the thing. That that was where the game came in. Is you, you just had to just live life like you were living it. You know, you're having conversations and doing whatever. But every once in a while, someone's just going to throw a ping pong ball at your dick.
0: Could you swing your penis like a baseball <laughs> bat and try to... Hit the ping pong back at the uh, assailor?
1: Now, I, how didn't, does that work? I didn't see that occur. I saw a couple butt <laughs> catches with the ping pong balls, but I did not Ooh. see any attempts
0: at the baseball bat technique. I I first thought you were going to say, you know, we were playing beer pong, but instead of cups, we started to just use people's assholes. because <laughs> this, We were all naked. We're like, hey, man, these cups are getting boring. We're fucking hammered. Let's try something different. <laughs>
1: We were we were one step away from that, honestly. I feel like if we if we had maybe two more PBRs each, we would have gotten there.
0: Yeah, that's that's a parkour community in a nutshell. One of the first times I went out to Colorado, I was um so so before I say this, that's where balls jam came from. Right, essentially, oh, right? We're, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're on a tangent. I'll um I'll finish
1: up this in a sec, but I wanna hear okay, what yeah. you have to say. Yeah.
0: I just went to Colorado into we were in Boulder at a party and they they just like all wanted to take their pants off. So we were all sitting in a circle talking and they're all just like pants off and they all <laughs> drop their pants to their ankles at this party with not parkour people there too. Just ra- like there's oh, like 30 40 people but I was like you know I'm just like are you guys really doing this right? <laughs> yeah. They were all in their they were all in their boxers though. So but I was I was fucking I was high and I was drinking and I was um not I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. So I think I took off my pants for maybe like thirty seconds and I, I pulled them back up and I left the circle. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and do my own thing. You guys enjoy uh, you know, hanging out with your um, you know, penises uh, peeking out of your flies right now. So yeah. But that was that was my first introduction into that. But also there was a lot of uh homoerotic things that would happen in the Chicago parkour community, which is known as the was known for a while as the most homoerotic community (laughs) Um, (laughs) it it, it makes sense it makes sense to me it makes sense man makes sense but uh anyway yeah so the balls jam got their name from these ping pong balls or what what uh
1: um honestly yeah i think that is where balls jam kind of came from and 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 you know whoever has different information feel free to dispute but i kind of felt like i was in the inner circle for this one like i think I think Ooh. I was part of the, the somewhat planning committee for that, for Balls Jam. Anyway, so um, this was the second Balls Jam that had happened because there was one in 2016, and then uh, there, was, there was one in 2015, and then another one in 2016. Um, so, 2016, I'd come home from uh, Farang Tour uh, and went immediately to Balls Jam. And I was really pushing myself around that time. Like, I, I had picked up a couple new tricks. And I was really dead set on landing my first double backflip
0: outside. Um, yeah, That's a scary fucking move for people that don't know. Mm -hmm. Like doing a double backflip for your first time outside is intense.
1: Yeah. And we're not not talking like a round off double backflip, like any kind of maneuver into it. I just wanted to stand up on a high ledge, like maybe in a playground or something and just huck one. Like I I had done a couple in the gym and landed a couple pretty nicely. I, I was drilling them, drilling them. And I was just dead set on landing this double back. And so the day before or the, sorry, the day that I was going to go for it, um, everybody had decided that in the morning we would go for this hike, um, and, or, or not, not necessarily a hike, but there was like a cliff diving spot in the mountains. And so there was about, I don't even know, like 60, like 50 or 60 of us there. Uh, and we, we were all just kind of hanging out at the spot and it was early, early, early morning. Um, and I lost odds to be the first one to jump in. And oh, yeah, and I I'm not very experienced cliff jumping. Um, and and I I so I took off all my clothes, um, took off my shoes, and oh, and no. yeah that that was that was the big mistake. You don't want to take off your shoes. Yeah, didn't know. Gotta... I didn't fucking know. So <laughs> oh, I I shit. jumped I jumped in uh, and I hit the water, felt okay. My foot was kind of hurt, uh, and I got out and I looked at my foot and it was so bloody. And, and I realized that I had cut my foot open on something. And that's why you wear shoes when you fucking cliff jump is because rocks Mm. are sharp. Even the ones that don't look sharp, when you're running barefoot and you know, you're putting, you know, the, when you have the intent to jump and you're putting that, that intention in your feet, you're hitting the, you're hitting the ground pretty hard. And so I, um, I figured out, um, that I had cut my foot open on takeoff. Um, although my theory at the time was that I had hit the bo- the bottom without knowing, um, but I came out yeah. and my foot was fucked. It was just, it was disgusting. So, um, Holy lucky shit, enough. It
0: was cut up that bad? Was it yeah. deep? Did you need stitches?
1: Yep. So, uh, and oh, I didn't, shit. I didn't have any form of traveler's insurance or anything like that. Um, but lucky enough for oh, me, yeah. um, Heather Mulvick was there. Um, and she had butterfly stitches, uh, and and a lot of first aid experience. And actually, she I think she's like a I think she's a a nurse or a, a surgeon or a doctor or something now. Um, but she she had butterfly stitches on on her, and she was able to dress the wound like on the spot. Um, and she she didn't stitch it or anything, but she put it together in a, in in a way that like um you know it wasn't gonna fall apart. But because I had no um traveler's insurance. I had to tell my friends who had come with me, you know, we, we had taken a seven hour, um, road trip from Calgary, which is pretty much at the bottom of Canada. Um, and then, um, just for reference, um, uh, Montana is directly below, um, Alberta. So it's, I, I think it's directly below. Um, but anyway, we, we had taken a seven hour road trip and I was like, guys, we gotta go back. Cause I, I couldn't afford to go to the hospital. So that morning, um, we all hopped in the car and, drove seven hours back up north um so i could get my Whoa. foot looked at and like i was bleeding out the like fucking and i was i was so grumpy and like fuck like i was gonna go for my double back today and i was so
0: pissed about that <laughs> yeah. yeah dude that's how it happens man you're always like uh i'm gonna do this thing and then <laughs> divine intervention strikes yep and uh it takes shit away from you man that's definitely that happened that happens in parkour you know, and the, that's the other also thing the that expectation.
1: In, yeah. Well, the other thing that happens in parkour is people don't know when to fucking just rest. Because because that that injury on my foot it reopened like twice. Like I I just oh. I thought it was ready to come back to training and then I would train maybe get get like a day in or it would be like the session back and I would hit my foot on something and just it would just pop open again and it, just blew, it was disgusting, dude. The the surgeons told me if it opened one more time, they would have to cut, they would have to amputate the toe.
0: Holy shit.
1: Yeah. So that that was concerning.
0: (laughs) Did you rest at that point? Or were you like, fuck it?
1: Yeah, Yeah, that, that was, that was when I did the real six week rest, but it was like, I did three weeks rest the first time I I opened it. Um, And then it reopened and then another three and then it opened again. And then I was like, fuck it. Okay. Six weeks rest. And then easing back into the training. But, Boy, I was pissed, yeah. dude.
0: <laughs> for those that don't know, 6 weeks rest for a parkour per- person is like um it's like a pr- it's like a prison sentence, dude. It is. It's like <laughs> it's it's a nightmare to get someone to rest for that long or get mm-hmm. yourself to rest for that long when you're into in into the weeds of parkour and doing that shit constantly cuz mm-hmm. there's just something about it, man. It's so fulfilling to be doing that and it's extremely addictive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big part of the reason people can't stop. They just feel like they're missing out with progression and gains, uh, when they're not able to, to train or do things or play or whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I think that, um, also parkour athletes and people who practice movement in general, we have, uh, we're in tune with our body's requirement for movement. Like, you know, we, we Mm -hmm. are just fucking monkeys, right? And and we have all of this energy and and we understand that this energy must be put into movement. And a lot of people, I feel like, don't understand that. And, you know, the, this movement energy just, you know, it turns sour and then it, it gets regarded as um, some form of negative emotion because, you know, my, my feeling is that a lot of negative emotion, or like especially um, depression and anger um, and anxiety, it, it's just... It, in, in, in some situations, it is just misplaced, mislabeled, misused energy. Um, and so, you know, as a parkour athlete, understanding that requirement for movement, um, it, it makes sitting on your ass for six weeks that much more difficult
0: because you're like, fuck, I just, I just need to move. Mm. I I think you're right about that. And I also think that when you're doing parkour for a long period of time, you don't have as much of a direct experience with those emotions. Mm-hmm. And then when you stop, it's like the stream has been cut off and you're like, Oh, and it's super abrupt. And then you have to deal with all of these emotions and feelings that, you know, you hadn't been for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I know for myself personally, like parkour was a saving grace and a lot of my mental health issues. And then I actually, so I haven't been training for the past couple years and, once i stopped training i had to like face all of these um issues that i had Mm -hmm. that when i had started parkour just literally got put on the back burner on sim like simmer you know and like what didn't pay any attention well like some attention but that's also my own fault too it's not parkour's fault but it's the way i was utilizing parkour as a tool right
1: yeah well because because you feel uh,
0: because you the
1: how do how do i say this fuck and i interrupted you to say this um, you're you're fine no no like
0: (laughs) like god damn it josh because
1: because the the problems aren't pressing anymore like what when when you're training and it it's it's not even that you're doing parkour to to do away with these problems but it's like yes as soon as you um as soon as you're not training anymore your method of coping
0: with these things is just gone yes yeah exactly yeah it is a it's completely a coping mechanism and Mm -hmm. so is so is any sort of fitness any sort of movement that's going to bring endorphins um you know bring out the endorphins and get you to feel good right Mm -hmm. um and release dopamine like all that shit is a coping that's why people do drugs like all the release of the different chemicals in your brain that's a coping mechanism too Mm -hmm. it just so happens to be that fitness is a lot healthier for you to be doing yeah and um yeah man it's that's the thing, man. We are designed to move, like you said. We're, we need movement in our lives in order to be complete. Like there's a balance for everything, um, in life in this fucking crazy construction of reality, right? Yep. <laughs> and uh, we just happen to have like these particular components that, if we pu- if we put them together in the right way, we feel better. And so when I stopped doing parkour, I had like I had to be like, oh fuck like all these emotions and these things are coming up again now i have to deal with them like like what do i do with my life now Mm -hmm. that's a big one when people find parkour like oh i'm doing this it's a really simple answer for them a lot of the time you know and some people just do it as a hobby but you know a lot of people i would wonder what the percentage of that is but a lot of people that find parkour want to find a way to do it for a living yeah because it's so intoxicating you you don't want to leave i think you don't want to leave, dude. Yeah. It's impossible. It's so hard to to. It's a drug, dude. It really is, man. the The satisfaction you get from doing something that scares you, mm-hmm. like a physical act that scares you. It's it's, and then completing it or setting a a list of goals within even it just a line that you want to do. Yeah. And being like, oh, I want to do it like this, and you do it. It's so satisfying. Yeah. There's there's really very few things in this. In this life that are as satisfying as completing and achieving goals that you set for yourself yeah and um, th- yeah so it is very addicting
1: like I, I can't help but think of how um, I can not help but think about how um, wonderful it is to have parkour um, as an activity in your in your formative years because parkour is a physical representation of the benefits of setting goals for yourself, like it, it, it. There's so many metaphors to derive from the practice of parkour, and I'm sure there are with many sports. Um, but what, what one thing that I had derived from parkour, and I see many people doing, is is it teaches you um, for for one thing to to set a goal. Um, and then for another thing to, to break it down into progressions and, and to achieve it like that, like it it is, it is a physical representation for a model that you can apply to pretty much anything. Like you see a lot of people who, um, have practiced parkour successfully in the past and, and reached a level of physical competency that you you see, you see them bring that level of competency into whatever the next thing is for them, because that is not a skill set that is unique to parkour. It is something that is very direct, and because it is direct, we're able to take that model um, and apply it to other things. Like the the model is very in your face; you cannot miss these goals and these lessons that parkour gives to you. If you practice it for you know longer than five years, and you have any form of, of aspiration for higher achievement in parkour, you you become inseparable from the set goals and achieve them system. And so, um, you see the parkour community just you know shitting out people who are just driven and and really good at smashing goals like like I I I feel like parkour is almost an incubator for people who are for people who want to become experts at setting goals and achieving them
0: yo that I mean you could not have said that any better Honestly, that's I, I almost have nothing to add to that, but it's it's like it's because it's true. I mean, that is a hundred percent what it it does is, and I think one of the things with parkour is that because there's so much self reliance in that, whereas a lot of other sports, there are more individual sports out there that teach you how to set goals and yeah. accomplish them. But parkour is one of those things where everything is on you. You're completely reliant. It, it's everything's your responsibility. Your training, your conditioning. Yeah your movement, your health, your diet, like everything plays this part in your achievement of these goals, your mm-hmm. patience, like all these things. And so it really teaches you to get to know yourself and really teaches you how to set a goal and accomplish it and then also how to appreciate your success mm-hmm. and how to have expectations for future successes and and teaches you how to like you said model um, your setting of goals and breaking them down into smaller parts so that yeah. you can become the person that you envision. And uh it's that shit's so powerful, man. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that like some people don't don't get that opportunity in their in their life um to to experience uh something like that. Yeah. And uh it makes me very grateful, you know, that I that I found parkour and that I did it for as long as I did. Yeah. It it makes me
1: um, believe in the importance of people finding um, an activity that they feel the same level of passion that I felt for parkour when I was starting out. Like, I think um, this isn't something that I can do now, but I definitely see it as something that I would like to look into in the future, which is um, some form of of um, some kind of group for exploration of different disciplines, like like for, for children. Um, because a lot of people get stuck in traditional sports and, and you know yeah. that, that is that is a square that is a, a square hole that not all pegs will fit into, you know. You know, you got the the round pegs and the triangular triangular pegs and the fucking parallelograms, yeah. you know. You got the
0: dodecahedrons. The dodecahedrons <laughs> and the, dodecahedrons you know. and the, the fucking
1: the, octagonal peg. The tesseracts <laughs> and the <laughs> The tesser- <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um I I I really would like to see Um, some form of opportunity for children to be able to explore different uh, and diverse disciplines so they can find that thing because that has been so instrumental to me forming into the person that I am Um, and then before we get too far from the subject um, I I wanted to touch on the the post parkour effect the post parkour depression that some people can experience like what do I do right So
0: life after parkour is what I call it. Life after parkour after parkour.
1: Yeah. So, so although the parkour community does, um, again, for lack of a better word, shit out, you know, goal setters and goal achievers. Um, I think there is a period that some people find when either their passion for parkour dies out or, you know, life, um, or circumstances, um, you know, put them into a different mindset or, um, their needs change and parkour can't fit into their lives anymore. Um, it it leaves people in a in a difficult position, and I I've been there, um, and I I am back to practicing parkour, pretty much as hard as I ever have, um, and and pushing myself once again. But I um there has been periods in my life where um, parkour has kind of faded out of the picture, and and I have found um I've I've found kind of a method that helped me, which was um I I wanted to find what what particular thing about parkour did i enjoy the most what, and 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 mm. what what part of parkour made me grow the most what improved me the most as a person and i found that the thing that really um i gravitated towards was the act of looking my fears in the face and being like fuck you i've put in the practice yes i can um, and so what I found outside of parkour was stand-up comedy. Um, and it's not something that I practice as, um, stringently as parkour at the t- at, at, um, at the present time, because I'm still doing parkour, but it, it's something that I, I've begun doing, you know, I can't do it now because things have closed down once again, due to COVID. Yeah, um, exactly. But it's, it's something that I'm setting up to be kind of my, my transition, like I'm kind of in a transition period where I am practicing parkour and I am doing stand-up comedy, but one day I won't be able to do parkour or I won't be able to do it to my satisfaction. um, Which is something you see with a lot of athletes is like, they can't, they can't train to the level that they want to be at anymore. And, and they, they don't want to change their standards for, for their training, which power to them. I, I, I can't say whether that's the correct, like the right or the wrong way of thinking, but either way that can make people's motivation for it die out. So Um, If if that does happen to me, then I can kind of just transition from from uh, sorry, from parkour into stand up and then hopefully still maintain that goal setting, goal smashing, you know, put in the fucking work and face your fears aspect. And I can take everything I enjoyed from parkour and put that into stand up.
0: Yeah, man, that's a powerful thing to do is to have a plan B. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't have a plan B with parkour. I know I didn't really, I kind of did. I was like, I'm just going to go back to school and I'll figure it out. Yeah. Like I'll figure out what I want to go to school for. I, has a couple, I had a couple ideas, Yeah, you know, Um, but a lot of people aren't practicing those other, those plan Bs while they're in their plan A of parkour. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle with the transition too is because when you're unable to produce the movement you want based upon your own standards, right? It becomes really depressing, you know. Reality sets in. You're like, "Oh, I can't do parkour forever. Oh, parkour isn't sustainable like everyone's been saying. You can't just do it." It's like, "Well, yeah, you can do a step vault when you're like 70, bro. But like you're not. <laughs> you're, you're not going to be doing back double out.
1: falls when you're fucking 60, you know."
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, you're not going to be busting out sick lines, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the body breaks down and I think another important facet to remember about parkour is that it is it is a tool to train your mind as well. So, um, but a lot of people don't cultivate that aspect of parkour and and look at the visualization aspect of it really in depth while they're in it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people just move to the physical aspects and try to like, oh, I just want to be able to get this trick and that trick and this trick. But cultivating your mind through like meditation and and realizing like all these. um Mental growth, this mental growth that occurs from this goal setting and shit like that, being able to actually harness that and recognize it, and and use it to your benefit, is something that um, I think comes after you quit. You're like, yeah. you might. It's like a reflective thing where you're like, oh yeah, maybe that's why I'm like this now. Yeah. You well, know, there's also this like,
1: cool, weird upper echelon of enjoyment for parkour where like y- you, you know, you have reached a level where you're comfortable with your skill. And then you begin to explore different ways to or you, you begin seeking different ways to explore the sport. Um, and for me, um, so one of the things that came up was the flow state. Um, and I don't know if you've talked yes. to Sean Higgins at all, um, but I've had a couple of conversations with him and he's done quite a bit of research into the flow state. Um, for those who don't know what the flow state is, it's basically a peak performance state where um, you are for, for, as some people might say, you are out of your mind, out of, out of, you're playing out of your mind. You're, you're totally just in the present moment and nothing else exists within your consciousness. So that was, so, so little Mm. thing, little interesting fields begin to kind of pop up when you reach that upper echelon of, of passion for the sport. I wouldn't even say that you have to be in the upper echelon skill wise, but, uh, in terms of your immersion and your passion for it, Um, there, there are these really interesting little sub niches that come up and to kind of bring things back to, um, how training changed for me after, um, after the team for trip, um, and I had injured myself, I continued to train in my head. I would, I would sit down in the middle of my floor and I would just imagine myself doing lines and I would, I would do it over and over and over again. And, and I came back to the sport and I was better than when I left. And it was because I had, I, I had done such strong visualization work while I was injured that I came back and I, I was the athlete that I had dreamed of being at that time. Um, and, and of course, my skill has increased since then, even more so, like I, I, I'm not even saying I'd reached the epitome of my skill level, but the athlete that I wanted to be, as soon as I came back to the sport, I had maybe a few rehab sessions just to make sure my body could operate properly. But because I had done that visualization work, I was able to train at a different fucking level. And and that was a big change, was basically putting myself in like a Dragon Ball Z hyperbolic time chamber in my head where every combination is possible. <laughs> like there, there, was no, there was no impediment <clears throat> to my training anymore. There was no, I'm tired. There's no, I need water. There's no, you know, I, I want to text this girl or or, you know, I got to feed my dog. There was none of that. It was just me in my head and I could do these lines quickly or slowly. I could have moon gravity if I wanted to and I could I could break things down and I, I wouldn't have had that experience if I hadn't injured myself. And I, I don't want this to, to turn into like, you know, well, you can always grow from any kind of negative experience because of course you can, um, but I also don't want to be the person who is – fixated on the negative experiences because i've I've had so many positive ones um but that that mental training for me really changed the game
0: yeah it made you realize that it actually works Mm -hmm. right and that's that's the thing is i took a psychology class recently and the whole theme of the or not psychology uh my bad an english class but it tied into psychology the whole theme was imagination and we read some articles on just imagination and visualization. And it was crazy that basically through these articles, we learned that if you're imagining what you want to do, some some physical act, right, for athletes. So athletic performance visualization as is as important as doing the actual activity itself because you're training the same neural uh, pathways that you would be If you were uh, physically doing it, Mm -hmm. except there's no repercussion physically, like you don't get tired, you don't wind, um, you know, your muscles don't ache or, you know, you don't hurt your joints. So visualization is like key to success Yeah, in like anything you do really in life, including athletic performance, you know, being able to visualize where you want to be, how you want to get there. All that stuff. And that's something we do every day. Like, I'm like, oh, I want to make some fucking dinner. What do I want to eat? Hmm, let me make some chicken. You know, I'm visualizing yeah. how I'm going to prepare it before I prepare it. You know what I mean? You think what's about how it's going to taste. taste and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it plays a role, a huge role in our lives, but when we cultivate it in a way, we can direct it. It's like involuntary involuntary, right? Just like breathing. So you can voluntarily cultivate visualization to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. It actually does work because your brain is still operating on the same frequencies and going, you're still using the same neural pathways or developing new ones, right? Mm -hmm. Based on your visualization, which is fucking nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I I have like, um, that's fucking nuts.
1: I, I, I have, uh, I have a lot of belief in visualization and then there, there are, there, I have some, some weird things with visualization, especially with, um, the one particular trick, uh, the, the castaway backflip, like basically for, for those who wouldn't know you, you put your hips up to a ledge, you kick your feet back, push with your arms, and then whip yourself into a backflip before your feet land on the ground again. Um, and for whatever reason, um, I, I, I always try and do heavy visualization work with castaways before I do them because it's not a move I'm fully comfortable with. Um, and every time, every, time I, <laughs> every time I imagine myself doing a castaway um, in my head, I, I don't land it properly. So, so no matter what way I imagine myself doing a castaway, I will always injure myself in my head. So visualization, oh, it's always effective <laughs> for me except for that trick. Um, and with castaways, it's just a process of me overcoming myself and being like, fuck you. I have put in the practice. I can do this. You, you non-believers, AKA me, I can overcome you because you're just being a
0: hater right now. And I know I can do this. Yeah. visualizing failure is just as powerful as visualizing success. Yeah. So that shit. Yeah. It makes a difference. It drives the development of your brain and, and how it functions on a day to day basis. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, it has huge, uh, a huge effect on your life and mm. the things that play out in your life, man. Um, so we were, we were going to bring this up. It didn't come up naturally, but the parkour community is always in an uproar about certain things. I mean, I left two years ago. Three years ago, really, I just stopped paying attention and caring about anything that involved parkour, which was one of the better things I did with my life, <laughs> as well as as well as well getting into parkour yeah. was one of the better things I did with my life. Yeah. But leaving was also one of the better things I did in my life. And it's because the community can be a little bit much at times. Mm-hmm. And recently, um, so I guess, should we start from a, a point of like, they get upset about things. Should we just name off a few things that, that have been upset about and they've been upset about in the past? If you've got some and examples,
1: then, go ahead. I'm kinda I'm coming up short for those, but
0: let let's let's oh, hear okay. it. Okay. Oh my Lord. Okay, so there is one <laughs> there is one example I can remember of um I guess the fig, the whole fig thing, right, is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Well, gymnastics was appropriating parkour and saying Gymna- parkour is gymnastics or whatever. And the, mm-hmm. so the, the whole community had was in an uproar for about like a year or something over that. Mm-hmm. Um, they get in uproars about certain people doing certain things. One guy threw a sex doll over this gap in uh, England, in the IMAX gap. Did you ever see that video? No. <laughs> Dude, he threw a sex doll over this this gap that people do what's called a dive kong over. It's a move. And, he, and then he said, uh, first woman to do the IMAX gap oh my god (laughs) which is which is so funny but also fucked up at the same time yeah but people were so pissed off because equal parts funny equal parts fucked up (laughs) yeah equal parts funny equal parts fucked up but that's what comedy is baby gotta get with the program oh you want to laugh then you're gonna be laughing at somebody's expense yeah and guess what (laughs) here's the thing man has a girl done it yet no they haven't so instead of compl- instead of complaining about it go get some girls over to the IMAX gap and fucking do it yeah. like film you doing it and then like I don't know beat up like a male sex doll at the other end or some shit or like throw a male sex doll down into the pit go I don't know man yeah I'm just saying there's you you have options other than just being like this is the most sexist thing ever because it's not sexist man it's just I mean, maybe it's a little sexist, but it's funny, dude. <laughs> also, I, I, I
1: volunteered to be the sex doll that they throw over for this video because that will be fucking funny. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I'd love no, to see there, it, dude. No, but there is a lot of um, uh, collective outrage at things, um, and people are very um, – they, they, they really want to cultivate the image. They, they, they want the image of, of parkour to be um, accurate. And they they want it to be true to the essence of what they believe parkour is, and and not everyone agrees on what parkour is. Of course, there was um, a lot of arguments in early times of the sport, like you know, um, what is the difference between parkour and free running, and blah blah blah. blah. There's all, all this shit over yep. what is this sport called, what and and are flips parkour, and you know, like is it faster to jump or is it faster to flip, and and holy shit, like the, we we've had all sorts of discussions over what what the fuck is is our collect our shared identity of the sport. Um, Yes, the identity. Yeah. What
0: is our culture? Who are we?
1: Yeah, because that's that's what being a a part of a culture is, is um, having uh, a shared identity. And that'll help you feel closer to people. It'll help you. uh, We we just have uh, an inherent need to feel uh, a part of a collective. And, and we're lucky that parkour can be that for us because it is largely um, positive because parkour teaches you to treat your body correctly, mostly. Uh, <laughs> you know, it teaches you to <laughs> yeah, for the stretch most <laughs> and exercise and all that and have, have a proper diet, mostly, uh, kind of. But um, but so with, with that um, cultivation of the image, people become very protective of the image of parkour and when things come up, um, from, you know, more from, from well-known, um, so-called representatives of parkour like that. So that, that's one of the issues that we have in parkour is that we treat, um, our most popular practitioners as uh, a representation or, or, or the gateway into parkour. Um, and so you see a lot of um deifying of parkour athletes with large followings and you see a lot of people putting them on a pedestal where these athletes are just people right like i this is a whole can of worms to open but um in within the parkour community these these figureheads um, are treated as the people who open up the avenue for the average person to break into parkour and begin to understand it and so when someone perceives that parkour is being misrepresented or misrepresented b- represented oh my god my fucking high <laughs> but when, when, <laughs> when people see that um, parkour is being misrepresented w- with like within their perception then they will snap at it and you know, with the collective identity, especially in the modern era of identity politics, um, when people see one person they respect or one person they identify with pile in on a subject, they're going to pile in on it too. Um, which brings us to our yes. most recent controversy.
0: Yes, which brings us to our most recent controversy, which would be uh, <laughs> one of the one of the very well known parkour individuals named Pasha the Boss. Petkins or some shit
1: yeah what's Pasha his last Petkins. name
0: yeah yeah so he did a video he he make he's so sick dude he's one of the sickest most unique parkour movers on the planet the Michael and Jordan he, of our sport the the Michael, Jordan the, Roddy the Michael Mullen, Jordan
1: the fucking yeah just well
0: he's he's yeah he's a god at parkour essentially if you want to deify him like you said yeah. right and people do so Uh, without further delay here so he did a video with riley reed who is a porn star for those of you that do not um get intimate with yourself (laughs) um and he does a flip off of her ass she stands up on a table he does a flip off her ass Ooh, so hot she sticks her booty out he does a flip oh cool he's flipping off this porn star and then he kind of he under rotates and lands feet like toes Stomach lays down and then she gets off the table and and is trying to console him and then grabs the pant of his crotch area, pulls it, and then pulls on the drawstring, pretending like she's going to give him a nice blow. It's basically the start to a porno. (laughs) It's basically the start to a porno in a 10 second Instagram reel, right? People are very upset about this. They're very upset indeed. Yeah, there are some very vocal members.
1: So so there are some very vocal members of the community who have um, spoken out in outrage over this, um, and it's kind of just the most recent um, sticking point for people being outraged over um, what they perceive as misrepresentation of our sport. Um, I, and I see where they're coming from, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And, you know, Pasha's got a lot of pull. He's got whatever millions of followers and, um, he's very competent and, you know, he is an endpoint for parkour for a lot of people. Um, but I, I personally am kind of confused over this controversy. Um, I, I, I understand that it's kind of weird to have the world of parkour and the world of porn intermingle like that. And there are a lot of, you know, youthful practitioners who do look up to um, Pasha who may um, watch that video and go, oh, who's this? And then all of a sudden they become, like, I, I don't know, maybe someone's afraid that they will get addicted to porn as if, you know, children these days aren't already, you know, watching porn at, like, you know, Ten, eight years old, 10 years old because it's you know it's it's 2020 it's and it's the internet and I, I do see problems with that but I, I I don't necessarily feel the same level of outrage that other people are feeling about this.
0: I don't either. In fact I found it funny that it was I thought it was an funny too issue. and and uh, here's the thing man he, this doesn't affect your life at all in any way this video has no effect on anyone's life that does parkour whatsoever or the image of parkour really at all no how many videos are online of people just doing flips and doing tricks and whatever, and they blow up. And really this thing was all about Pasha getting more pull and more attention for his own personal brand and his movement. Which he's been very very good at
1: recently. Like he is like the celebrities he is collaborating with, like his personal brand is just blowing up.
0: It's blowing the fuck up, dude. Yeah. And that's that was the whole point yeah. of this video. It had nothing to do with, look at, if you do parkour, you're going to get your dick sucked. Yeah. Like, no one's saying that. Yeah. That's not even the implication of the video. The implication of the video is just like, give me attention. I need some more views so I can make some money off of my movement. Yeah, and in, if in, you're,
1: in a nutshell, it's like two skilled performers utilizing their skill set and also essentially co-signing each other. Cause that's, that's kind of what a collaboration is these days, or even like, um, in, in, uh, on, on Instagram, even the act of following someone or being followed by them is essentially a co-sign. Like you, you, um, you support this person or you, you approve of this person. Um, so how i see that video is just once again two two skilled artists um utilizing their skill set and and promoting each other like <laughs> Pasha's bringing his fan base to Riley Reed if they're not there already and then Riley Reed's bringing yeah. whatever of her fan base to Pasha you know it's just this intermingling of of strange spheres as if you know everyone didn't already know who the fuck
0: Riley Reed was you know <laughs> she's a household yeah, exactly. name exactly she really is, man. And um do the other thing is too I guess, you know, people could make I don't really know what the arguments are against yeah. this video. I just didn't wanna deal with it. Yeah. But I'm assuming that it's like, oh, you're objectifying women or whatever would be probably the the one thing, right? Or you're giving you're giving people the idea that women are objects or, or something to pursue through parkour or whatever. But I actually think is, it goes deeper than that.
1: Like I think you that, do. Okay. Okay. So I I think that um this is tricky territory. So I I think that um there is a lot of um there's a lot of anti-porn um thinking out there right now. Um, because no fat movement. Yeah, the no, they yeah, have the no fat movement. Like, um, I, I think
0: stop touching that your penis.
1: Just the the way that porn, like pe- people are paying a lot more attention to the way that porn has changed our psychology. Um, yes, and the 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 activities that are condoned within porn have kind of changed our identity with sex, and people look to porn as kind of a model for what sex is. Um, so people some some people may get offended by how sex is being um, promoted. Like, for example, like choking is a big thing right now. And like like a, a, one, one thing that I've seen in some TV shows is that, you know, a, a teenager will watch porn and they will see choking in it. And then, you know, they'll go out in the world and they'll have their first sexual encounter and then choke out whoever the fuck they're losing their virginity to. And then their sexual partner is like, what the fuck are you doing? And then... You know the the teenager who had done this didn't realize they were doing anything wrong. They're just like, this is just what I saw in the videos. I'm so sorry. I thought this was what sex was.
0: They're like, they're like, yeah, my teacher never taught me like how to fuck so uh, or t- told me anything about sex. So I just had to learn it from porn, dude. Like, yeah. what's wrong with that? Like at, you know at the I mean? at
1: the root of this is a profound lack of sexual education. Um, yes, and and there are there are other reasons why people are offended by this. You know. Um, I, I, I haven't done any research into this, but some some people have told me that there, are, there is some sort of connection um, between porn and human trafficking. Um, and I, I don't fully understand that and there are there's a lot of controversy about um, the standards and practices in terms of how um, adult actresses are treated. Uh, and I've actually had I've, I've actually spoken with adult actresses before um, and talked to them about um, the, the standard for you know how they are treated and, and whatever. And I think things are, Uh, From what I've heard, things are kind of moving in the right direction for that. Um, But there is just a lot of controversy in terms of um, you endorse porn, you endorse everything that happens behind the scenes, and you endorse all of the bad things that porn stands for, as opposed to solely um, just enjoying it for its entertainment value. And maybe that's me being naive um, and having a separation between the two. Maybe I'm allowing myself to just be ignorant of the negative effects of it. Um, and, and that's, um, that's on me and that's a fault and that's an oversight and that's me being ignorant as a person, but yeah, for, for whatever reason, that's that <laughs> it's, it's really tricky territory. Like I'm trying, uh, of, cor- is, of course it's... I'm trying not to offend anyone, but I also want to voice my own opinion, which I don't feel is controversial. Um, but I, I just want to have some form of reasonable exploration into this. And of course I, I, I'm not fully in touch with why exactly people are offended and and i i so i i don't even know if they are correct or incorrect for being offended um but yeah that's that that's that's what's going on and yeah do,
0: do, do you have anything to say about that i just think it boils down to intent and people try to they look so much into sub subtext and create subtext that isn't there yeah and also intentionally misinterpret someone's actions yeah this is a thing that's been going on a lot um, culturally. Is just, like you condone one you know, person, you
1: condone everything they do for some reason. Like you, you like Kanye yeah. West. You can't just like him for his music. You can't just like him for his clothing. That must mean you like Kanye West and everything fucked up that he says. Because Kanye West says some wild shit. And like, like sometimes I'll just tell people like, yeah, I fucking love Kanye West. And they're like, he says some fucked up shit. I'm like, yeah, I don't like that. And people for whatever reason they can't, they cannot they cannot isolate something without looking at the bigger picture. And and maybe that's just a a product of the internet age that we're in where we're just taking in so much information. It's, it's hard not to look at the big picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. It is, it's all around us all the time and it's ever changing. It's like, Oh, we're supposed to hate this person now. I guess I can't watch any of their movies. Yeah. Or like the whole thing with voice acting, like, Oh dude, you can't, you can't voice act, uh, this native american person because you're not native american or mm-hmm. you can't voice act this the crazy one is the gay people thing mm-hmm. it's like you're not gay so now you can't voice act this gay person yeah it's like or, well or, or, can gay like, people but, not but voice then act somehow like a,
1: a gay actor can play a straight person
0: in a in a show it's because it's not offensive dude yeah. it's not offensive at all mm. it's like okay it's dude it's about intent like if someone's Doing the voice acting and they're like Yeah, fuck all gay people, I hate gay people I'm gonna make this person sound terrible mm-hmm. That's a bad person, yeah. that person shouldn't be Voice acting that individual That, per- but that person like, shouldn't, on,
1: be, shouldn't be Entertaining, you know, that person exactly, That person needs, needs to learn some shit about themselves And about other people, but I feel like yeah. If you are fulfilling the story, you're fulfilling The experience, um, without Making a mockery of it, like If, if you're able to fulfill that story Um, also, uh, w- without taking away, so, so this is where I think other people are coming from. And I, I say people a lot, but um, those who are outraged, I think where they're coming from is they're afraid that um, the work is being taken away from those who may otherwise be more qualified. And to that, I say, let the person who's more qualified take the opportunity, no matter what their um, background is or anything. And, and exactly. And of course, it's, it's not a perfect world where, um, you know, it, it, it's not an equal, it's not an, it's not an even playing field. Um, and you know, to, to those who do not get the same, um, opportunity, I think, I think we're moving in a direction now where the playing field is, is finally even evening out for people. Um, but I think once we've kind of, um, like I've heard this on a, on a podcast, I, I forget which one, but we want, um, equal opportunity, not equal, um, result or, or equal reward is it? Like it's it, like like know. we don't we, we don't oh that. oh we want equality of part of of participation, not equality of outcome. Oh okay yeah yeah. yeah. And I mean I that think, makes
0: that makes sense.
1: Yeah. These are, these are tricky subjects because I I don't see myself as the most educated person, but I, I also don't see myself as having uh, that much of a controversial
0: opinion on it. Maybe I do. I don't know I. I don't know if my opinions are controversial or not. All I know is that intent matters, yeah. and people like to misconstrue intent as as uh, as something malicious. So people like to take something that someone's doing and and not read into why they're doing it yeah. or how they're doing it. They just go, "That's a bad word," or um, "That that's a that's a." Uh, what was it like a japanese or chinese dress you shouldn't be wearing that Mm -hmm. or whatever you know what i mean and it's like you can honor somebody by the whole cultural appropriation thing drives me nuts too we don't have to get into it but Mm -hmm. that whole thing it's like you can it's about intent man it's Mm -hmm. like not like she's wearing the dress to be an asshole and she's like ching chong ching chong chong," yeah everywhere she's going you know and just being making a mockery of the shit she was like i thought it was pretty yeah i wanted to wear something pretty and i I wanted to
1: celebrate the culture
0: yeah, exactly, and and people take that as something that's offensive because they they don't want people don't want to understand. They want to go with their initial response, which is an emotional reaction, and we all know emotions lie to us on the fucking daily. Yeah, especially people with mental health issues, which is almost everyone. Everyone these days. because our fucking society is not set up in a way for us to be mentally or physically healthy. Yeah, because we're just these pawns that are contributing to the system. You know this economic system that's set up and predicated on us Uh oh, yeah you're just gonna go to your job you're gonna sit at a desk for 40 hours a week maybe you know. more depending on what your boss needs and you are gonna make <laughs> some money and then you're gonna wait till that black friday comes around you're gonna buy a bunch of shit you don't need you're gonna put it in your gar- garage oh wait nope you need more space now you gotta buy a bigger house oh now you need a car you just had a couple kids you're gonna need to get that oh wait you, you gotta go to the store and go buy the vegetables that somebody else grew like all this shit is like we're just outsourcing our reliance on everybody and then we're getting mad about our own life situation, we which we have no control over because yeah. we've outsourced everything to all these other people, and we build these tombs companies. for ourselves.
1: We're, we're like by by um, cluelessly buying into the system. You are you are simply building a trap for yourself, and and the more you buy into the system, the more difficult it becomes to to build or to to, to break out of these walls that you've created for yourself. Oh yeah, like like I I've begun to understand that for me to achieve the things I want to do now, um, I cannot buy into the system in that way. Um, I, I have to live modestly. Like I, I live I live in a small basement with with two other people. Um, I cannot own a car. Um, I I cannot. There, there's a lot of um, commitment. Like I, for me to pursue the things I want to pursue, I need as much free time as possible. So I must live modestly. Um, at least within I must live within my means or, or at least attempt to do so um, and people don't understand how trapped they can get by their lifestyles where they think they need these things they they think they want to live you know maybe you do want to live on your own but um, you know they think they want to live on their own and they think they want a car and then they, they think they want all these things and you got monthly payments for all this shit and eventually you're, you're trapped in a self-fulfilling lifestyle where all you are is yeah. a cog in the machine. And sure, I want to be, of, of course, the, the place that I'm going to be or that, I, that I'm aiming to be, it could just be another cog in another machine, but it's a machine I want to be a part of. And it's it's a cause that I, I wish to contribute to. Like, I, I, would, like I, I would like to be a comedic actor with enough of a platform where I can make a living just being my goofy self. Um, And sure, maybe that entails being a part of some kind of machine, but, but I think by being able to choose what machine I'm part of it, it'll make me happier as opposed to having the machine choose me.
0: Dude. Yeah. Well said Mm -hmm. you're, you're contributing to your own success as an individual and fulfilling your own passions and interests Versus someone else's, man. Yeah. And that's the real problem with with getting a, a job where you just work for someone else. You, mm-hmm. you don't even have any energy at the end of the day to do things for yourself yeah. and do the things that you want to do, you know? And uh, the thing is, guys, like you could be dead tomorrow and you would have spent 20 years of your life at a job waiting on a fucking pension. Mm-hmm. So you might as well try to pursue the things that you're actually interested in in life and, and find ways, like you said, to live more modestly. Yeah. Because... You don't need all the things that you think you need. That that you know our our culture deems as one necessary, two as a uh, moniker of status, right? Like it's like, oh yeah, if you got this, like your life's gonna be this much better, x amount better. You're gonna, you know, people want to come over to your house more, whatever. Like whatever these commercials are perpetuating as the norm, right? Mm-hmm. And and the more I feel like you move into a state of living that is completely based around fulfilling your own passions and desires in in life um the more the better you feel about your life because it's under your control
1: if, if if what you want is in line with kind of the way that society works right now then that's fine like if you do want like if your goal is to have that the family and your goal is to have you know the house and the car um, and and those things fulfill you, then then do that. But the bottom line is is, you know, go for the thing, like fo- follow your heart. Like f- I, I feel like there is a tiny little invisible string attached to my heart, and I just kind of go where that takes me and and that has not taken me in the direction of you know the nuclear family or the you know the 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 job and the kids or the the things like that but if that's where your heart takes you and 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 you're happy and fulfilled then then do that but understand that if you want something else then the values that have been pushed upon you by society you you must question them and then Furthermore, you have to understand the traps that, that kind of, the, the the traps that are kind of
0: laid before you and in, in terms of, you know, shiny credit cards, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) credit cards, houses, really expensive houses, debt, that's the big one, man. That's what fucks people. Yeah. That's what puts you in the same spot for 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's like one of the biggest traps to avoid, man, Mm -hmm. is, is like, you know, being like, "Well, I need this thing and I can't afford it, so let me just borrow some money at interest, which I'm going to pay. You're just going to pay so much more in the long run, dude, and you're going to pigeonhole yourself." Mm. And I feel like that's kind of what these companies and businesses want, dude. Yeah. They want you to be s- slaves to to paying them back for the next 20, 30 years, you know? Mm. And and you're like, "You don't even own the fucking, you own the house, but not really." Yeah you know you don't even own the fucking grass that's in your front lawn that's growing you know what i mean yeah you still have to pay property taxes which is fucking dude i mean i could go on about that shit <laughs> i don't i don't you own know, my like, phone that drives
1: me crazy that's weird like i I'm, I, I basically rent my phone like it, it it's it's weird to think that my not even my phone is my own you know
0: it's like it's the only thing you own and some dude shows up at your doorstep one day and he's like I'm going to need your phone. It's like I'm a repo, like, repo guys.
1: I I need my phone. They're like we need this back for some reason. I'm like I, I well I will not be able to communicate. They're like well sorry.
0: <laughs> you signed the <laughs> thing. Sorry dude. Sorry dude. They put a little piece of suction cup uh on on the on your phone and they have like a string and they're like pulling it like <laughs> from like your bedside trying yeah. to like sneakily get it out of your room. <laughs> They you like wake
1: up they and like still,
0: throw it's just going out the window. You're like, no, because no, <laughs> that's how the repo guys do it with cars. They like sneak on the block and they like fucking start to like load up your car when you're not home and shit. But with a phone, I feel like it'd be really hard. You feel like get it out of someone's pocket when they're at the grocery store. You're like. Oh,
1: well, what it's I heard is that they, they put like a special chip inside the phone and then when your time's up with the rental, the phone grows a pair of legs and walks right out the fucking door.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, that's useful. Yeah, it's like waiting for you to like leave it, leave it alone for a sec. You're like yep. go to take a dump, which no one's actually doing that without their phone, let's be honest. But like you go to take a dump, <laughs> it's just fucking... You know what? Like, I have, I've I've been working on like not taking my phone on
1: dumps. That, that's that been like a new thing. Like I I have been trying to cultivate... Um, better use with my phone uh, and one of the steps is not checking my phone or my Instagram first thing when I wake up like I, I have a little that's a good one morning routine having a morning routine is really important like I wake up um, I meditate I there, there's like a list of like I don't, I don't even know what to call them like I guess affirmations like happiness is a choice so make decisions and and relax into tension and and like um take immediate action on your ideas just th- things like that um, so i read that that board i meditate and then i try to um do some form of writing um or or some like you know five reps of something before i look at my phone um mm. and then i also try to shit without my phone uh and instead i have i, a, I have a book called um the war of art um, and it, it's one of those books where you can just flip to any page, but also, you, you know, you could have like any um, philosophy book right? And any of those books where you can just flip to any page and gain something from it. Um, but for me, I, I have the war of art and it, the, the whole book is just talking about the artistic process, uh, the continual artistic process of overcoming uh, resistance, the resistance that you create for yourself, the thing that stops you from achieving the goals that you've set out to do, the resistance that you create for yourself. Um, so, so when i'm home um i try to just um leave my phone outside the bathroom or leave it in my room or wherever and just read that book instead and just learn about this battle that i am you know denying um from partaking by by you know using my phone and shit you know like using your phone is a form of of giving in to resistance because you're you're giving in to your need for immediate gratification you know you'll open your phone and before you know it you're fucking you're on Instagram looking through your likes and you didn't you didn't think I want to open my phone I want to open Instagram I want to see my likes you've just opened your phone and done all that before even thinking about what the fuck you're doing you know
0: dude it's so ingrained yeah. so ingrained it's a habit man and all habits they they can easily be developed and uh, unfortunately, not so easily broken. Yeah, <laughs> it takes time. It takes time to get out that out yeah. of that um, routine. You know. Yeah, I think the modern day samurai is
1: the person who struggles and you know some days succeeds, some days fails. But the person who takes part in the battle for their own attention, the per the person who because there is you know there is a war going on for your attention that is the Absolutely. hottest commodity right now. So I think that. You know, the modern badass, the modern cowboy, the modern samurai, the, the person who is exercising their, their will and, and taking a part in the good fight. Um, one of the good fights is, is trying to moderate your social media use and, and your phone use. Like I think that is one of the good fights you can take up if you haven't already. You know, take up arms and, you know, st- stand up for your own attention because you'll find how much happier you are when, you know, your attention isn't always being vied for because the strategies that they use to try and get your attention aren't always positive ones. And it, it is crazy how anxious you can feel um, as a person and how, how much of that anxiety can just be from, from you being stuck in this instant gratification loop. This, this loop of check your phone, check your likes, see what other people think of you, which is like, you you do not need to know this many people's opinions of you. You do not need to see who is looking at your work. Can you imagine, like, I, we we would not have had the beautiful renaissance painters and, and we, we wouldn't have our Vincent van Goghs and we wouldn't have our fucking Picassos if those people were being scrutinized constantly. And well, you know, maybe they were scrutinized back then, but they weren't so fucking blatantly aware of it. You know, everything we post on Instagram, you know, you, you put on your story, you can see who watched it. You put something on up as a post, you can see who liked it. You can see how many plays it's got. And we've, we we're taking part in this this quantification of ourselves, and and a lot of it is against our own will because we've just been sucked into this habit of checking our phone before even thinking about it. And you know you're just you're stuck in this fucking loop. And if there's anything that you can do to break the cycle designed to keep you circulating, you can understand the joy of just sitting with yourself. Which is what people had done for so long before any of this came along. We've completely lost touch with that.
0: People find it really difficult to just sit and not do anything, just to be in with themselves alone. Mm-hmm. Which, like you said, is what people just used to do. You know, if there was a solar flare that knocked out all of the the grid. People would lose their fucking minds dude. Jesus dude My, dude, my laptop I,
1: malfunctions I fucking I, I start sweating bullets I'm like Dude Jesus What what am I doing <laughs>
0: You're like It hasn't responded It hasn't responded In three minutes What the fuck Dude you know? It's like, like go my and step my mouse, outside
1: <laughs> My mouse starts moving Without me Like moving it With my finger I'm like Someone's hacking
0: me Fuck Oh fuck! <laughs> that's dude. That's happened. That happens to me. I like my <laughs> fucking trackpad's broken. Yeah. So I'll like, I like move it, and it tries to move back the other direction. I'm like, bitch, don't you fucking get to <laughs> do what I tell do what I tell you to do right now. Yeah. Like, like if robots become sentient, we're fucked, dude. Because <laughs> the way that we talk to these electronics when they don't do what <laughs> what they're programmed to do is so bad, dude. Like, you yeah. would never be able to have a relationship like ship like that with any with a human, dude. It just nope. wouldn't be possible. Nope. And uh, yeah, dude, it's, it is a huge distraction. Your phone is a major, major distraction from you achieving what you want in your life. Mm. And it's a hard habit to break. One of the best things I ever heard anyone say, and I wish I could quote them, but I don't remember who said it, is they try to be proactive in their mornings rather than reactive. Yeah. And when you're looking at your phone and you're on social media, you're reacting to everything, right? Everything's already placed out in front of you. You have everything at your hand as far as entertainment. So mm. all you're doing is responding and reacting to the stimuli that's in front of you instead of creating and generating something, being proactive, like working on a project or meditating yeah. um, or, you know, whatever it may be. Whatever yeah, and thing this all kind of connects to
1: back to goal setting because goal setting is a proactive activity and that is what creates a successful and happy person is setting goals and achieving them like there is such a deep level of happiness that you can get from that and by um, waking up and learning to cultivate a a proactive state you are also priming yourself to achieve these things that you want to achieve like i think in in modern society um at least in the first world and in in a world of of where, where opportunity you know Um, opportunities becoming more equal as time goes on and as we figure out what the fuck's wrong with our society and try to change it if we can. Um, I I think these days um, it's becoming more and more evident that the only thing that stands in our way um, is our ability to pay attention the, the only like, cause we have the means, you know, there, there's masterclass if you want to learn something and there are a bajillion other um, ways to learn anything online. And the only thing that stands in our way of learning anything and achieving anything is our own capacity to pay attention. And if you begin to take control of your own ability to pay attention, you are that much closer to being able to achieve these things because the resources are there. Of course, there are there are select resources um, that can put you far ahead that are not available to everyone currently. But the the playing field is evening out, and and the determining factor is just how much work do you want to put in, and and how good are you at mediating where your attention is going.
0: It's a discipline and it's a muscle that needs to be exercised in order for that discipline well in in order for you to actually be a participant in that playing field right yeah like, like any you need i to, think
1: And sorry uh any i think anyone listening to this who hasn't begun this journey for themselves maybe they have maybe they haven't um you know it, it it's it is tough to get to this point where you feel like you are able to just you know Make these choices and be proactive like you become a slave to your own cycle, but similarly to setting goals and achieving them in parkour just start small like just the the next morning that you wake up like like or sorry when you're when you're going to sleep tonight just make it your goal in the morning to not look at your phone for the first 10 minutes like what's what's so important in the morning that you that you have to check it immediately like have like think about all the notifications that you get in a day. How many of those are so important that you need to see them the second they come in? Most of them, no. I would say 90, 95% of the notifications that come in, you don't need to have that Pavlovian you know, response that you know, <laughs> you know, you, the, the dog hears the dinner bell and, and instantly its mouth waters because it's been conditioned to have that behavior because it, it associates dinner bell with its time to eat. We have the same thing with the vibrations in our phone. You know, our phone vibrates. Oh, time to get our dopamine from whatever interaction that we're having or whatever notification. Um, so I, it's something I've been putting a lot of um, uh, thought into is how do you create, how, how do you get someone, How how what is the first step towards higher knowledge such as uh, moderating your own attention or, um, another, like another conversation, another conversation I had last night with a friend, um, over dinner was, um, how do you make a person more curious? Because all of the most successful people I know, including Jason Paul, um, the, the most successful people I know are the most curious, like, like Jason Pollock will just probe someone over something he's interested in. He'll ask any question. He's not afraid of looking stupid, and he will he will sit there and you know you have one thousand percent of his attention. Maybe maybe you don't. Maybe he's maybe he listens to this episode. He's like, ha-ha, I'm not paying attention. You're fucking stupid. But you know the 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 most successful people are the. The ones who are the most curious Like there's like directors and Whatever the fuck people people in artistic Fields who succeed the most are the most Curious and and the question is How how the fuck do you make someone Curious if they don't have an inherent level of Curiosity
0: Yeah is it a natural state of being that And can you develop it like discipline Like a muscle like like is it something That you can cultivate in yourself And practice And become better at being curious Yeah I think yeah, it's a really good question. I think people, I think innately certain people are more curious mm-hmm. than others. I think that there's certain personality types that like to figure out the way the world works. Yeah. And they want to take things apart and com- like break things down into pieces and understand how things function and why they function the way they function. And, and uh, also like, just learn about other people and why people function the way they function you know like yeah but what their, but, their-
1: but so the question another question that came up was why why are some people less curious like um, is it really something is is it really a fixed quality now um, there, there's a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck uh, who's a, a, a scientist of some sorts. But um, the book is basically talking about the importance of cultivating a, a growth mindset. Um, and, you know, there, there are ways to reflect on qualities that you have as a person. You can, you, can, um, you can look at a quality of yours as a fixed quality, or you can look at it um, with a... You can have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. Now, like, say you wanted to... Um, like, say you think you're a bad singer. That's a fixed mindset. You know, you you, yes. you you see that as as a quality of yours that is unchangeable. So, like, so that that would be regarding curiosity as a fixed quality. Now, we could delve deeper into that. Like, what makes a person uncurious? And the conclusion that we had come to at dinner was that what makes someone uncurious is uh, a lack of belief in themselves, uh, a, a lack of uh, of um, belief that. How how the fuck did we put it? Like it, it it was like why explore or why try if I know I'm going to fail? It's it, basically a lack of curiosity is a a, a lack of um, interest or a lack of belief. Like it, it it is hard to be curious about something you don't care about. And then also um, one thing we had kind of come to terms with is that um, you cannot be curious if you are upset or sad. You, like oh you may, maybe in small amounts, but you are at your most curious when you're at a zero point or in a place of happiness. So so the conclusion we came to is to make someone more curious, you have to first of all have them at least begin to figure out how to make themselves happy, which is a skill that a lot of people lack. Um, they don't understand that their happiness is something that is more or less, Um, within their control like um, there's a book called man's search for meaning and it talks about how um, people who were um, in slave encampments in world war ii like um, sorry like death camps and stuff uh, it it, it talked about how people um, reflected on those situations and and how people um, overcame that difficulty and were still able to find happiness within themselves and it talks about how happiness is solely based on your reflection on your current circumstances it's something within your control it's a a skill that some like that you can cultivate and some people just lack knowledge in but the conclusion we came to is make the person happy and make them believe in themselves and they will be curious And and make make them in, like find, find a way to make them interested or, or or relate to the thing. So so I guess there are three entry points, three three, um, three gates. Say say there's one entry point. It's a hallway, and there are three doors to it. The first one make them happy. The second one make them interested, and the third one, or no, so I, I would say the second one make them believe in themselves, and then the third one is make them interested in the subject. And that's how you can make a curious
0: person. Dude, that's really. I've never, ever even thought about that before. That's so interesting to think about like how that, how you can actually, because that's true. It's like a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. People, people determine things about themselves and decide that that's the way they are for the rest of their lives. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you see it, they're like, "I'm just a messy person." It's yeah. Like, well, you could change that behavior if you wanted to. But this is who know? I am. <laughs> this is who I am. No apologies. Yeah. I always hated that shit. No apologies. I am who I am. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you don't have to be, a motherfucker. You could be better. Yeah. Or you could be this or that or, or whatever. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And it's not something that you overcome one hundred percent. Like I, I'm learning to, I'm learning to cultivate a, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so. So you can you go pee go pee if you, if you have to Oh go pee. dude I
0: got to go piss so fucking bad I'm sorry people <laughs> well, how about we, Dude I think we take a
1: quick it. break I'm going to grab some water too so um uh, uh Do you want to do want to just do want to
0: just call it here? Um No 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 <laughs> here, let me let me go I want you to keep talking about this while I go sure. piss and I'm going to I'm going to follow up uh when I come back and then you can go get water after I get a piss. Sure kinda, sure sure. Yeah, you know what I mean? Keep Sounds this fucker good. going. Keep All right, going. I'll be right
1: back. Yeah. Okay.
0: But yeah, so um,
1: a, a fixed mindset is not something like you're not, you're not 100% a fixed mindset. and You're not 100% a growth mindset. Uh, you know, you can intend to have a growth mindset and still have fixed mindset things come up. Like um, for me, I, 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 I take acting courses and um, I have <laughs> it for whatever reason, I've, I've built up a level of personal identity with being a loud person. Like I just I'm I am like I, I just identify with being loud. I'm I am loud, I am expressive, I am this, I am that. And sometimes my my acting teachers will request that I talk quieter because when you're doing a film, there's they, they have a small mic to clip to your, your clothing. And it's supposed to be small and you're supposed to basically speak at a level where you're not gonna blow out the audio for the tiny little mic that they have on you. So you're supposed to talk at a at a quieter volume. And um, the first the first time and actually even like a recent time that i had an acting teacher tell me um to just talk quieter i said oh i'm just a loud person and and that's kind of how we stand in our own ways we stand in the way of our own progress is by um letting an ego identity get in the way of our own development as as a person um and 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 that is my thought on that <laughs> Welcome back. Okay, I'm going to grab some water. I'll be right back now.
0: Where did you, where did you leave off?
1: I left oh, yeah. off at um, me identifying as a loud person, and that was a fixed identity of mine. Um, and so when oh, my acting teachers okay. would ask me to, to talk quieter because that's just what you're supposed to do for film and television, um, you're just like most actors, you, you can't really tell um, from the final product, but they're talking at like this volume, and they're just like, they're not yelling at all because because they have a tiny mic on their shirt that they're speaking into and they don't want to peek the mic. They, they don't want to blow out the audio. Um, totally. And so, yeah, I had, an, I had a teacher ask me to talk quieter and I was like, I'm just a loud person. And that, that was an example of a fixed mindset getting in the way of me learning. It's like, fuck, well, I'm not going to be a, I won't be able to be a film actor if I can't fucking quiet down, you know, and I'm just getting in my own way because I just like have some form of ego identity with being loud. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something that you've determined was a care, a permanent characteristic of yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. A fixed okay.
1: trait of mine. Yeah. So I'm going to grab his water, water. Yeah, yeah. and I'll return.
0: Yeah. That's super interesting because I've always been a loud person as well. Thus, the reason my name is true loudy for this podcast, I just tend to be a boisterous individual and I always have been, it's just part of who I am. Now I, I wouldn't say that I've had this mindset of oh I can never be quiet ever I'm just a loud individual and that's how I am no apologies but it is interesting how Josh brought up that point of like when you are especially experiencing new things you know especially when you're experiencing new things and you go in and you're learning for the first time your ego gets in the way and you you'll be like, oh, I can't do this thing because of this or whatever. And and you get into these fixed mindsets. Like, for instance, when I started doing stunt work, I went in there like, I'm going to be fucking awesome at stunt work because I do parkour. I do parkour I'll fucking kill it. I'm the fucking shit, dude. And <laughs> so I go in there. I'm like, oh, we got to learn how to like swing around bow staffs and shit. This is fucking hard, you know? Yeah. And like in my head, you know, part of me in my head was like, oh, you're not good at this at all, dude. You should be way better at this, you know? But uh, fortunately enough for myself, I, I was able to like, be like, okay, like, it's not a big deal. Like, this is something new. And uh, I try to look at it from a growth mindset, but I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. You know, I have definitely, i got gotten to a fixed mindset with parkour about certain things I was good at and bad at for sure. Twisting. I didn't start twisting until I was like seven years into training. Yeah. I was like, I fucking hate twisting. I'm bad at it. I'm just bad at it. I can't do it. I suck at it. And then I started doing it and I started doing it for like maybe six months and I started to get better. I was like, I can fucking twist now. Because you were
1: practicing it, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like just made the decision that it's something that I wanted to do. Yeah. So um, that growth mindset dude is that's so interesting it's yeah. so important man it's so important to maintain that through through life and when you go into new things and being like open mm-hmm. part of it's just being open and being willing to to like experience something new and be okay not being good at it or being okay not being familiar with it the, yeah being unfamiliar with something is how you grow being uncomfortable is how you grow you know what yeah. i mean you obviously need like nurturing and shit too but yeah. but like That comes from yourself and not being an egotistical maniac about what you're pursuing and and, and getting down in yourself immediately, right? Like, oh, I couldn't figure it out. Fuck. I'm never going to be good at this thing because I didn't figure it out the one time. Which is a huge issue that you see with kids nowadays. Yeah. When I taught parkour, they would do something like once or twice and give up. I'm like, what the fuck is this, dude? Yeah. You thought you you were trying. You
1: you didn't even fucking. You didn't begin to try.
0: You know. No. Yeah. There was no effort or thought in what you just did. Yeah. At all, (laughs) because you want to go jump in the foam pit. Like, come on, dude. Like, this isn't how life works. Mm -hmm. I know that's how life works in video games and in your participation sports, but in parkour, like, you actually have to try to like be successful, and that's why it's so satisfying. But it it can be difficult to recognize that you're in a low
1: effort state. Like, um, I, I have, I, I have found myself in a relationship and I, 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 before this relationship that I've landed in, uh, my whole life has just been self-focused and, you know, I devoted 1000% of my attention to parkour or whatever the fuck else I'm interested in. Um, and so getting into this, it, it's like, I'm fucking 24, but this is like my first like actual relationship and it's my mm. first time, um, learning to think, um, and, and consider not just myself, but another person. Um, and sometimes I will catch myself in a low effort state where I'm not even trying to think for the other person. Um, you you just like, sometimes it is, it is so difficult to recognize that you are not putting the required effort in because you don't know that the effort is required. Sometimes you just, I, I, I think almost it's, it's an entitlement thing where you you, I, I had this conversation with my, my best friend Jovi, where um, th- this form of entitlement can show itself with music. For example, people see music uh, as as something they, they, they see playing a guitar as like you pick up a guitar and that's just what happens. You pick up a guitar and you're good at it, you know. <laughs> and then and then you pick it up and you you know you f- do a couple fingerings on the frets and try and strum something. You're like, what the. F- Fuck, you know, we're just sometimes if you go into something with a sense of entitlement, you are robbing yourself of ever being able to learn anything from it and and ever being able to improve at it. And so um, I I guess part of the growth mindset is just understanding how little, you know, and and being comfortable
0: not knowing Yeah, being humble about it and and enjoying the process Mm. That's a huge part because the process is what brings you the end result, which is what you want, but there's no way to shortcut hard work. You just have to put work in or work over a long period of time, right? You just have to put the work in, do the work, and eventually you'll see results. And Mm -hmm. that's the most satisfying part of anything. Like with guitar, dude, that shit is so hard when it's you first start it's so it makes hard
1: to be good at guitar what the fuck dude <laughs>
0: no sense i actually play i play ukulele and guitar and i've been playing like on and off for like 18 years holy shit actually which is insane because i'm not like i'm not a guitarist that's been playing for 18 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> I I don't sound like, I don't sound like what you'd think a guitarist has been playing for 18 yeah. years. So yeah. it's like, yeah. And that's just because I, I would go in and out of practicing and not practicing and practicing. But I've been playing ukulele pretty consistently for the pra- the past, the, the past like uh, eight years maybe or seven years. And that that I got into way more than guitar and really into in the past like three years. And so... But but it's funny because I'll be like, oh, I'm not that good. I'm self-taught. I'm not that good. But then I'll see someone else pick it up and I'll try to teach them like, ooh, I oh, that I was there at one point, I guess, you yeah. know? So sometimes over this long period of time, you don't even see the result necessarily, or you you we have this way of socially comparing, right? So even when you do get there, you'll be like, oh, I'm not as good as that person, or you know, it it could have I could be better or should be better. But it's like if you're able to just enjoy the process and see progress within yourself and what you're doing, I think that's what matters most.
1: Yeah, I think comparison can be good for the sake of improvement, but for the for the sake of originality, it is uh,
0: an obstacle. Yeah, that's right, dude. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> everyone out here is just copying and pasting shit. like mm-hmm. that's that's the whole fate. That's all Facebook is. and like yeah. Instagram is like reposting memes and like other people's thoughts and ideas. We're moving away from this state of originality as humans, and like more into this collective thing, this collective like consciousness, a low vibrational consciousness.
1: So, (laughs) so here's here's kind of here's an interesting take on this. I I read a book called I don't remember, and I don't even know why I brought up the name of it, but it's it was a book on how um, the art of copying has always been around and how um our perception of of originality is kind of twisted and 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 what exactly is originality because um how a lot of painters would learn um in in the olden days i i, I can't put an exact date the to days it but of old. the days of old before social media before safety was invented when everything was black but and white
0: before... Greens. <laughs> <Four>
1: screens. <laughs> BS. Um, back in the days of BS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back in the Bolton so days. They um, you know, they, they would learn how to paint by copying good pieces. And and like some popular pieces were just copies of other pieces. And and so I guess social media, of course, it kind of just min-maxes everything. It just fucking expands and accentuates. But um art is largely um, copying because you can, you know, with the exception of one, a, a one-to-one creation, which is also in, in, for, in, in, in a, in a way kind of also art, um, you can try as hard as you can to copy something, but your essence as a person expressing themselves is inseparable from everything that you do. So even trying to copy someone, you will still be yourself. Like, my, I had modeled mm. my park, parkour style off of Jason Paul and Pasha. And, like, I tried so hard to be like them, especially Pasha. Like, I would just go to training sessions. I would load up on watching videos of Pasha. And I would go and, and th- try to think like and him and try to move. Hang out with
0: porn stars.
1: Hang out with porn stars and, and just fuck, you know? Um, just <laughs>
0: fucking just, uh, like uh, I just I
1: I, I I would go out and just expect my dick to get sucked every time I left the house um cuz that's what happens to Pasha he's just that cool um but you know I, I would i would go out and try and do these moves and then people would be like yo these are sick original moves i'm like yeah they're not quite pasha's though and then they'd be like no but but they're yours um and let let's kind of connect we'll, we'll, we'll connect this after this long ass fucking 2 hour tangent we've had but <laughs> yeah for real um, <laughs> cuz uh, so back to where style changed for, for me um you know, after balls jam and I had done all this visualization work, um, I really began to come to terms with my own style and, and learn to kind of, to, to love my own movement and to explore areas that I'm interested in that the people that I look up to may not be exploring at the time. Like I, I began to take influence from skiing and I actually take a lot of influence from watching yo-yo videos because, um, there's a lot of flow with yo-yo, like, um, very intricate yo-yoing, um, relates to parkour in the sense that, um, high level yo-yoing, very complicated tricks that each trick, uh, each trick leads into the next one. Like yeah. the, the end point for one trick is the beginning point for another one. And I, I took, um, I took influence from that in that sense. And then also, um, in terms of rhythm, And I think that's something that hasn't been explored a lot in parkour yet, Um, but it is a a large part of um, how we consider the aesthetics of a line is the rhythm of the move. Like if you see someone doing everything at the same slow pace, it's kind of dissatisfying to watch. But um, similarly to speaking, like you can you can punctuate with different moments of excitement. You can bring people in, but then you can also get really tense and something's going to be happening here. Oh, here we go! Here we go! And you know you can you can control excitement and enjoyment using using the tone of your voice and the rhythm of your speech. And and that's not something that's talked about a whole lot in parkour. But that was that was um, where the influence of yo yoing began to come in. So around. 2017 like 2017 kind of came around um i moved to a small town because i was li- i was still living with my family at the time i was still i think i was like 20 or whatever um and i because of a family situation had to move up about seven hours north in the middle of nowhere um and i, I showed up at this place um didn't know anyone uh but i found a, a gymnastics gym that they had there and, and i Ooh. i met with the owner and he gave me the keys and, and he's like, "You do parkour,
0: sick, dude! Here's some keys."
1: And they they offered parkour classes, but the instructor, um, he preferred to be the one to teach. And so I was just the parkour consultant, which was perfect for me because I wasn't a big fan of instructing at the time. I, I was kind of disenfranchised about the whole thing because I had been teaching for, what, probably four years at the time. And it, it, it had at that time had never been a big passion of mine because I was more self-centered and more um, self-oriented. What what I was more interested in was promoting myself. Um, but I had these keys to this gym the day I showed up. Uh, and and so I had a number of solo sessions and this wonderful padded gym and I just fucking pushed myself and picked up a bunch of tricks um and then and then that summer I got invited to judge a a uh, parkour competition in Flint Michigan <laughs> so- Oh yeah nice yeah, got went all the way out to um the uh the home of uh of tainted water, Michigan. Please fix the fucking water government. Oh my god. Ooh,
0: Yes. Yeah. Nothing yeah. like a little bit of tainted water in the morning when you wake up.
1: Yeah, fucking you can only drink bottled water there and it was, it's wild, but and that that was that 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 trip to Michigan. I get there's there's so many stories. That there were some wild times like um, some of the the dudes I would hang out with while I was there, I knew I knew one guy who like he would he would drive up beside cars, pumping like fucking uh, suicide boys or something like some crazy like just like some emo rap, and he would take his phone in his hand like this and point it at cars like this like fuck you like this is a gun like like he he made it look like he was holding a gun.
0: Yeah, like, Dude, it, that's how you get shot. That's what I
1: was saying because I was like, yeah, maybe you do that. Like, like, and, and he was from there. He was fucking from there. But he's doing this in a place where every, cat, every fucking gas station has a thick layer of bulletproof gas. There's a tainted water problem. There, there, the living conditions are, are deteriorating because it's such an undercared for fucking place.
0: Welcome to America, baby. Oh my
1: God! But just like just the get shit it how that, you live. Oh my God! There was and there was there was some wild situations that happened while I was there, and that that can be a whole other podcast the uh, the tale of the Michigan man. <laughs> but, the tale um, of the
0: Michigan man. I that that was it.
1: a that was a crazy time. That that that's, that's a it's a long story. That 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 is an entire podcast of its own. But um, yeah, so. I, I went from judging that competition um, to uh, oh, and one of the other judges was Alex Paulus um, and he oh, I know Alex Paulus very well yeah 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 he's, he's awesome so he um, he offered to give me a ride to Denver um, and we arrived in Denver in time for store jam and I had been in contact with store I had actually been in talks with um, with Josh Josh Burnett Blake from store um, about shooting a video uh, and then we just ended up in the same place, same time. And I was like, um, Hey guys, can I jump in your tour bus with you? Like, and I, I had known a couple of them. Like I had stayed with Callum and Sasha um, back in 2016, right before I went to Amsterdam with team Fereng, um, Callum and okay, Sasha are members yeah. of store. Um, but, and, and I, I had been in contact with a couple of them and then, yeah, I just hung out with them in Denver and, you know, we, we went around in their tour van and, you know, smoked weed and, you know, trained and stuff. And I was you like, fuck yes. smoked
0: weed? With store, no, numerous oh, times. So cool. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is one of our main activities. Um. <laughs> for those that don't know, store is the biggest parkour um, group on YouTube, essentially, and one of the biggest ones in the world. That they, yeah. they've been making videos for ten years, something like that, mm-hmm. and they just have been steadily on a on a incline growth of uh, viewership, and yeah, man, their their brand it has blown up. Sure. Yeah, and
1: they're the epitome of parkour right now. And actually, um, I don't know if you've seen this, but they're, they are currently doing a Kickstarter for a, a, a pure parkour video game. Because, of course, there's been Mirror's Edge and all these other games with parkour elements, you know, Assassin's Creed and that. Um, but they want to create like a skate or a, a Tony Hawk style parkour game. Uh, and one of the devs that they have signed on to that is a, a friend of mine, Henry Blue, and he's been working on his own parkour game for a while, and I think um, that he's uniting with Store to create this. And and it just the the clips that I've seen from from Henry's um, development diaries and stuff, like it just looks fucking sick,
0: dude. I'm yeah. stoked. Is it three? Is it like uh, 3D yeah, so a three really, D world? Yep, it's a three D world. Like
1: they're basically making a skate for parkour. That's so
0: crazy. Yeah, yeah we've, we've talked about that forever as a community just like how cool would it be because mm-hmm. tony hawk's pro skater came out and when you know skating became really popular in the 90s and then mm-hmm. you know uh it blew up i'm like what when did tony hawk's pro skater come out 98 99 maybe 2000 yeah something yeah, around like that, time. that and that game was so fun to play and then skate came out right after you know a little bit after that and that game was even like more crazy you could just do so much in the game and it took all the fun uh,
1: that you could have from tony hawk and accentuated it and allowed you to explore it in a deeper sense you know
0: mm -hmm. and so absolutely
1: now we now hopefully we're going to get that in parkour like i i I don't know how far the game's going to go and of course it's going to get funded because store has got whatever million subscribers they've got they've got like probably seven million now maybe six six million um, they've got their very, um, close following fan base. So of course they're, they're going to reach this Kickstarter. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see that because, you know, when, when you hear first parkour video game, a lot of people are like, what about mirror's edge? But like, again, parkour, like parkour is, is a, a function of that. It's not the centerpiece. You know, this is going to be by the culture for the culture. And, um, I saw someone describe it very well in like one, one of the comment sections of course I was fucking exploring the comment section and yeah, one guy was like what about Mirror's Edge what about Assassin's Creed and one guy said uh in in response to that he said that's like that, that that's like how do you say it? it's like um driving a getaway car in Grand Theft Auto and saying and calling it a racing game you know
0: yeah <laughs> it is really what it's like too because you use parkour to get away from people in mirror's edge but a lot of it's just like sneaking around and trying to not engage in fights but you do anyway here and there i never played it that much i thought it was kind of cool but i was also just kind of like i'd rather have for me personally like i always wanted like an action game with parkour in it Mm -hmm. so you could do like dive front flips while shooting somebody or like you know or like you know a running pre while like throwing a grenade or like whatever like so like a first person shooter with parkour elements or like dive rolling out of a window or through a window or any of that kind of stuff
1: and what, what i what i desired from a parkour game was the the level of of exploration that you could that you could do in skate with skateboarding where You can choose what flip trick you're going to do. You can choose your positioning of your feet. And I wanted that same level of exploration with a parkour game where you could choose what vault you're going to do over something instead of, you know, running up to a block and just hitting A and whatever vault comes out. You know, you can flick your sticks in a certain way and you're going to, you know, if you do a circular motion on both of your control sticks, then you're going to do a reverse vault or something like, like I want, I want that level of exploration, you know?
0: I agree, man. That would be really cool. And then you'd be able to mm-hmm. climb up on really tall things depending on Dude, that's sick. You could have like different characters that have different stamina and like their climbing mm-hmm. would be better or like their flipping would be cleaner or whatever. Yeah. That's so what balance. I'm seeing from
1: Henry is that he is achieving that level of customization. Like this is a game that you can play using just like a standard um console controller, but um f- I don't know how he's done it, but he has included so many fucking tricks. Like he is able to replicate lines that you see from parkour videos to a T. He and he, like he 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 actually created um like a like a custom run in his game where um he executes like five lines that um Nate Weston did in his recent skull chatter video. Nate Weston's a, a popular parkour athlete and he just came out with this new edit called Skull Chatter and so yeah, Henry, Henry, the game developer, he he created a line in the video game where he replicated like five of the things that Nate did in succession.
0: That's so crazy, man. Yeah, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, we've been yeah. waiting for this for a long time, dude. I'm excited now. I didn't know. I had no idea this was in development. And yeah. you're right. I think if stores backing it and trying to get it get a GoFundMe going, it's gonna. There's no doubt that it's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, they they just so. announced it yesterday. So. Um yeah, if anyone's mm. listening and they want to support that, they can go check out Stores Kickstarter. I'm sure it's all over the internet. They just came out the video for it. Um Yeah, that's S T O
0: R R O R, right? S T O R R O R. Stores. Yeah. Um Dude, sick. Uh well, I got to we got to close this bitch out cuz I got to go move some furniture, dude. My brother's moving. Um he's moving to the house right next door to him, so it's not going to be too difficult that's convenient <laughs> i know dude i'm like dude that's sick you just you literally just have to move like your garages are basically touching you just have to like, <laughs> move this shit right over here you open the back door and their, their garage is like right there it's yeah. so nice
1: i just had a similar but move I, with my with my um uh, my girlfriend slash not girlfriend slash it's complicated um she moved a couple floors Ooh. up in her apartment building <laughs>
0: Oh really? That's yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's so nice, man. That's like yeah. the best way to move, dude. Are you gonna call her your IC instead of GF? Honestly. Your it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. IC over here. We're, yeah, we're gonna be hanging out this weekend, so I can't come, but
1: <laughs> why why is she called IC? Oh it's complicated.
0: What? It's complicated. No, no, it's it's complicated. That's what it means. <laughs> I love it, man. That's like everyone's relationship nowadays, dude. It's, like, uh, are you seeing her? Mm, kind of. Yeah. Are you seeing him? Well, like we've been on a few dates. Are you guys dating? <laughs> I don't know. Just say we you're haven't dating. talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just I don't know, man. You, here's the thing, dude. If you like someone, just do it. If you don't <laughs> like someone, just just don't do it. You can always break up with someone. People feel like it's so finalized when they're they're calling someone their girlfriend or boyfriend. you yeah. know? Just be like, let's do this, or be like, no. Just look for the red flags, make a decision, <laughs> and then fucking and be chill. Do what you gotta do. Take it, take it one day at a time. One day at a time. You can always break up with them on Tuesday if you get together on a Sunday. It's Jesus. all right. Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm old too. I've been I've been through the gauntlet. So and uh, so I'm I'm just like at this point in my life, I'm like whatever, dude. Who gives a fuck? Mm. I'm a uh, you know, especially I live in an area right now where there's not a lot of options, Oof. so I've just, I've just been single. It's okay. I like mm-hmm. it. I'm okay with it. You know, sometimes I get lonely. Let me speak into the mic softly. Sometimes I get lonely. Good little ASMR lonely. at the end. But then, you know, what I do is I just pull up some Riley Reed videos and I um, play some Pasha parkour in the background and finger my butthole a little bit, and I feel better about my life.
1: And, and if you guys enjoyed the podcast, feel free to to finger your butthole along with it. Maybe next time you listen to it,
0: you know, just tickle this the circumference a little bit. Work your way on in. Don't worry; it's not a sarlacc pit. You're not a kid, You're not going to get your finger ripped off. Well, somewhere kind of like a sarlacc pit. <laughs> it depends on. I've oh, dude. Cool. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, it's like there's a vagina with teeth. Yeah. And it's like a horror movie. And dude, what about a butthole with teeth? Dude. <laughs> it's like uh, there's um. It's an altar boy. It like revolves around an altar boy, and he's like a superhero, and he just like goes to different convents, and uh, and chomps uh, priests' dick off. That's like his whole thing.
1: And but the thing is, he's vengeful because even like there are teeth in his butthole, but because there's teeth, it is essentially a mouth. So he's got taste buds in there, and that has made him vengeful and angry.
0: Yeah, he doesn't want to taste shit all day. You know, that's it. It's part of blood (laughs) tastes better than shit to him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave the viewers with that blood tastes blood. better than shit
0: yeah dude M- boy does it <laughs> Jesus. and after a little over two hours that's all we had in the tank ladies and gentlemen josh actually had to take a massive dump right at the end of this conversation too so i'm glad we cut it as short as we did because you know nothing's worse than pooping your pants I have not done that as an adult. I've done, you know what I have done is like when you're like, that's a fart and it's not a fart. I've done that, but I haven't actually full on shit my pants. I'm really proud of myself for that. And you know what? We kept Josh out of that house, that wheelhouse as well by ending this podcast around two hours. If you've, uh, if you've stayed with us this long, holy shit. Thank you very much. I appreciate your support. And I know Josh does too, because you know. We're both trying to do this thing of podcasting and, you know, talk about life and get people to listen. So (laughs) we appreciate you listening and we appreciate all your support. Thank you so much. If you want to follow Josh Doey and all the things Doey that he's doing, you can go to joshdoey.com. Incredible. Who knew? Who would have thought that he would have a website and all of his information or social accounts on that website for you? To be able to check out. Pretty convenient. Pretty smart. Maybe one day I'll do that. <laughs> Time will tell, I guess. Uh, if you ever want to get a hold of me, you can hit me up, Loudy on Gmail, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud. Any of those platforms will do. Holla at your boy. Let me know what's going on with you. Let me know what's going on with me. How you feel about it. What's going on. How you like the podcast. Be great to hear from ya. And as always, I appreciate the support. And remember to talk out loud, because talking out loud and keeping it real is the thing that we do, baby. And that's the thing we push. So keep doing that, and I'll catch you on the Flippin' flappy. He's loud. Yes, he's loud and talking. He's loud. Oh, oh my, he's so loud He's loud Yes, he's loud at talking He's loud Oh, oh my, he's so loud